1: We're sharing a whole bunch of songs, we're weaving our story in and out. Tonight we're going to do this just a little bit different, we're going to, we're just going to kick it, family style, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people are always like, oh, we can't really get too close and too intimate when a lot of people are in the room, but I think that's a lie, you know what I'm saying? So here we are, uh, Abundant Life Paradigm Massive Living Room, and that's what we're going to (laughs) do tonight. Um, So... Everyone has a testimony, has a story. We're very grateful to be able to share ours with you tonight. Um, A little bit about us, just even how we met. Um, It was 2013. I am at the International House of Prayer. Sasha is in Kona, Hawaii. And she happens to be in town visiting. Her mom asked me, can you come lead worship uh, at an event? And I'm like, sure, at their house. It was just at their house. So I walk in, now listen, I'm kind of seeing a girl at this time. I'm pursuing her. You know what I'm saying? That word's got so many connotations to it. What's that mean, Jordan? <laughs> I'm pursuing this girl, and, um, and I think it's kind of getting, you know what I'm saying? We're not official yet, but we're getting there. And I walk in to just go, lead worship. That is where my heart was at. <laughs> I am here to bless God and lead the saints in praise. <laughs> And, um, and, and, and here goes Sasha. I get done with the worship set. Somehow, Sasha had just started singing and songwriting, and her mom says, hey, you should get up and, and sing one of your songs. So I'm just chilling with my homie. Sasha walks up to the front, and she sings her song. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a rap for me. Wow. <laughs> and it wasn't even just like, I mean, listen, there's, there's good voices everywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone can come and, and, and sing a nice song. But there was something about Sasha. I'm not trying to get all weird and over-spiritual, but there was something about Sasha that I felt like I connected with. Now that was really, really awkward, and I felt like I was in a conflict. Why? Because I was <laughs> hollering at somebody else. And so um, so then afterwards, Sasha, you know, Sasha's like, hey, thanks for coming, and I'm like, Yeah. And then there was no like IG there was no like IG DM or anything yet. You feel me? So I hit her up on the personal message on Facebook, and I pulled the whole <laughs> spiritual card. I said, Sasha, it was really nice meeting you tonight, and I just want to let you know that you are so anointed, <laughs> and, um, and, <laughs> and I pull out all the stops. You're anointed. God's got a call on you. You know, I'm thinking, like, I met this girl for two and a half minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, how are you supposed to know all of that? And so I do all of that. Then Sasha leaves, goes back to Kona, Hawaii. And, and, and there she was for six months. Now, I try, I was working on an album at that time. If you can't tell, we love a little bit of R&B soul music, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm sending her as many R&B tracks I'm working on at the time, thinking that that's going to woo her heart and make it melt a little bit more. You know, I'm taking songs that she had, doing renditions of them, anything I could do. And then Sasha gets back six months later. And, um, and by the way, the other girl that I was seeing, we broke it off. And she's doing fine today. Married also with a child. And um, um, by the way, did we show the, the video of Little Snack? Is that supposed to happen later? No. Okay, it's happening later. Sorry, you're going to meet our daughter later. Anyway, so this girl, Corey, she's, do- I said her name. She's doing just fine and she's, and she's good. So anyways. Uh, uh, so, anyways, back to it. Anyways, everyone's doing good. So it's 2014, me and Sasha start getting into a relationship. Now I'm trying everything I can to pursue her and we're, we got a friendship, we're making our intentions really clear, but we start facing some conflict. Um, We're both from, we're both from, uh, she's from a, she's going to tell her story, she's from a ministry background, but we were both a part of the International House of Prayer, a part of YWAM, so very, very... um, you know, just, just spiritual communities, even outside of local church involvement. We're on staff with these communities. And, um, and so in the midst of all of this, between family, friends, and navigating all of this, this is how our relationship started. Um, so there's a little bit of, of backstory and I'm going to stop talking now before I say anything else crazy. I'll let you jump right on in uh, to the goods.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was a beginning if I ever heard one. Um, Amen. So, as our, as our story progressed, um, we definitely went through some rocky times, for sure, like a lot of them. <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of pose this question before we dive a little bit deeper. Um, has fear ever caused you to make decisions that you were not ready to make or even should have never made? Um, this was definitely very true about our story and um, like I said, as we go a little bit deeper and share our, our testimonies, um, just our personal stories, uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring that to you guys, bring that question and also just share a, a scripture that the Lord put on my heart when we were both really broken um, and this scripture is John 4, 18 and 19. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Um, and yeah, this, this verse has been one that I've gone back to over the years, um, just with personal parts of my story that the Lord has, it's just a truth um, an anchor that the Lord has really put in my life.
1: So real quick, even though it's really hard to see y'all, Sasha asked the question, has fear ever made you, caused you to make a decision that you were not ready or prepared to make or shouldn't have made? If that's true, would you mind raising your hand out there if fear has ever influenced you to make a decision? Okay, so look around you real quick. You're in really good company.
0: Not alone. Right, you're not
1: alone, (laughs) okay. Um, So I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about my story uh, so one thing, that, one thing that's true of me, so uh, mom was 14 years old when she got pregnant with me and uh, gave birth at 15, and my dad split immediately. Um, and so right off the, just, just right out the gate, I was born into abandonment. Now, there's so many things that you don't realize when you're a kid growing up in that. Um, and then you see cycles of brokenness that repeat themselves over and over again. So it would have been easy to be upset at my mom, even as a 14, 15-year-old, but at the end of the day, she chose to keep me, but I look at what happened in her life, and it makes sense. But growing up, that was really difficult because in the midst of trying to raise me, my mom was also trying to find identity for herself. She was trying to find that in other men through her brokenness, trying to try to satisfy and quench pain and hurt on the inside of her, but what that did to me was open me up and expose me to things that I never asked for. I remember being six years old, the man that my mom was married to at the time. I was trying to just push play on the television to turn cartoons on, whatever, six years old, and pornography just jumps out on the screen. Now listen, a six-year-old, no one should ever look at this, but... A six-year-old is not, like, how do, you, how do you prepare your heart and navigate that when you have no idea what you've just been exposed to? And I remember things like this repeating themselves over and over and over again, because the more men that my mom would bring into our house, uh, the more confused I became. And I would try to, like, as I got older, trying to figure out what is my identity? You know what I'm saying? Like, who the heck am I? Then I'm starting to ask questions like, why did my dad leave? Then I'm seeing my mom get beat and I'm asking questions like, who's supposed to be here to protect us? These are all questions a four, five, six, seven, eight year old is asking. And then as I got even older, I'm watching my mom go through two divorces. Now my heart's growing cold. When I was eight, I joined a karate program, not knowing that it would be everything about my life but I remember jumping into that to that program and and you know I was in for one year two years three years four years five years and as I began to climb the ranks get my black belt start competing all of these things I looked for anything I could get to try to just to to try to make my identity make sense I used accolades and successes to try to cover up pain and and try to make everything about what I could do and what I could be because I had no one my entire life speaking into my life to try to help make sense of who I was. My mom is amazing, by the way, but there was no way that she was prepared to be a father and a mother. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm not the only one maybe in this room that has grown up with that dynamic and that reality. But it is really, really difficult the older you get and you're trying to cover up and suppress and you're finding out, why am I behaving this way? Why am I behaving this way? So one thing that martial arts did is the Lord used it to to bring me back to Kansas City. I'm from Topeka, Kansas. Bring me back to Kansas City. I joined a team, a martial arts team. And actually for anyone in this room, if you know Colteroose, Cole is the dude that I met. Um, so me and him go way back, way, way back uh, before we knew, knew the Lord, did music, anything like that. We were kicking, flipping, punching the whole deal. And I met this team and they started taking us to church. Now, I had no no history of church, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that I was willing to open the whole deal. I wasn't mad at God. I never really dabbled in anything. So I had no, I had no grid for spirituality, Christianity, religion of any kind. But I remember they were taking us to this church that had some little bit of Pentecostal flavoring in it. You know what I'm saying? What did that mean? That meant that if you can't tell already, I'm very, I'm just an exuberant person, uh, very expressive. And and when I walked in, I mean, what did I see? Flags. What else did I see? Jumping up and down. Hands are raised. They're not just raising, baby. They're waving. You know what I'm saying? Like people running up and through. I'm like, you are excited to be here. <laughs> you, uh, you, don't get, you don't get drugged to church and then suddenly grab a flag. You know what I mean? <laughs> people are excited to be here. And I remember we would go every Sunday. It, started being, it just started becoming the thing. Every Sunday we would go. Every Sunday we would go. And and about six months, nine months, something like that. And they would get us plugged into dramas and different things. They're like, oh, you guys can flip and kick and jump. Let's get you plugged into dramas. But no one ever no one ever shoved Jesus down my throat. But I remember at this time I was dating a girl, and um, and I was seventeen years old. I'm a junior in high school at this time, and I've been going to this church. And if you would have asked me, I would have told you that, yeah, I mean, I knew I know Jesus, like. Like, I've said the prayer before, I've done the things, but I never knew, for me, I never knew um, that you could actually just, like, what it meant to surrender your life over to a Lord. Not just, not just say words, but genuinely give your life over to a Lord. I'm dating this girl, I think that she is it, and um, I think that I'm gonna marry her. Uh, I look back now and I'm like, Jay, you were an idiot, dog, but you meant well. But in my heart, I meant it. And why do I tell this? Because for the first time, out of all of my brokenness, out of all my insecurity, out of all of it, I felt like I was able to, I was trying to open up my heart and pursue somebody. Sure, I had crushes. Sure, you know what I'm saying, all that stuff. But I would never opened up my heart to go and try to pursue somebody romantically. Saying words like, I'm gonna marry her and I love her and all of these, all these vows that I started making. And, um, but then I started bringing up Jesus in the relationship and, um, sometimes, uh, that has a way of shaking things up. Now I was, I I really wasn't a believer yet. I don't think, but I was just regurgitating words that I heard in the church. They're like, Oh, Jordan is, uh, is she an unbeliever? And I'm like, I have no idea you can't be yoked to an unbeliever. You know i like, Who's ever heard that? Come on. You can't be yoked to an unbeliever. Okay, as much as, you know, whatever, we can, that, that's a, we'll let Chad or someone else hit on that. Uh, but I said that out loud. Her mom calls me and she's like, don't you talk to my daughter about religion and spirit. I'm like, dude, I'm just, try, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm 17. I think I love her, but I also love Jesus and like, you know, whatever. So then it was February 17th. It was a Saturday night, 2007. How do I know that? Listen, I, there's freedom here. I got saved the next day. That's how I know it. She breaks up with me over the phone. I'm actually chaperoning Cole DeRuce and his little girlfriend at their dance. And she breaks up with me. And I'm just devastated. You know, I'm in the car with Cole. Cole, man, like, she broke up with me tonight, you know. And I'm like, dog, I just, Cole's like, man, just cry. And I'm like, all right. And I just start crying. And I promise you can ask him this story if you ever see him. And so the next morning I am feeling, you know, I send the, I send the message on Facebook or on text, whatever I was doing. And I'm like, I just believe that what, but I remember that morning in worship, I felt the Holy Spirit start moving. Some just, I don't know what it was. Could have been the Holy Ghost. Could have been, I don't know. I don't know what I was feeling, but for the first time I felt void, I felt a massive, massive, massive void and my heart was obliterated and it wasn't just because she broke up with me. It was because for the first time as a young man, I tried to open up myself, put my identity on the line and then it just got all obliterated and I was back confused all over again. That night, I'm in a garage in Bonner Springs, Kansas because the church did not have a building and the youth pastors were like, Let's just open up our garage. So I'm in there and I'm laying on my face doing the nasty cry. Nasty, snot, the whole deal. Now that does not mean anything other than emotionally I was so spent and so broken and I had no understanding, no language for what I was experiencing, but I remember crying out to God that night and I said, I'm tired of waiting on myself. And I think what I was trying to communicate was that if I get up from this moment I don't don't know where this all goes, but I want you to be my Lord because I need healing. And for the first time, I feel a void on the inside of me. I genuinely feel broken. No one has given me language for this, but I feel hurt, broken, abandoned, lost, confused, all of that. And I'm gonna lay right here and I wanna confess you as my Lord with my mouth. Believe in my heart. And I remember getting up that day and miracle, whatever. But from that moment, I just remember beginning this journey of trying to, to to follow Jesus. Let me fast forward a lot. Then becoming a Christian, trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus, I found that it was easy for me to see him as Lord. It was easy for me to see him as a shepherd, things like that, but I could not connect with Father. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him. I only say, I only do, I only go, I only move how the Father. But I'm, So I just remember being so confused. Still, finding moments of just like pain and all of that. Then someone brings up things like father wounds. And I was like, what is that? Father wounds. And I said, I can't be mad at a man that I never met. Do you know how many guys I have to get through before I get to my own father? I have to get to that guy who beat my mom. I got to get through this guy who abused my mom, cheated on her, abused me. You know what I mean? I got to get through all of these guys and how can I be upset at a guy that I've never met? I'll never forget walking through so much forgiveness from all these other guys and And I'm just like, okay, I feel free. And I remember one night I broke down at a service because people were talking about the heart of the Father. And I said, what I'm actually afraid of is that you will leave me. I said, all these people that are out here praying daddy, God, and all this stuff, I'm like, ugh. I cannot relate. I have never called anyone dad, daddy, papa, whatever, my whole life. And you want me to connect with a God who is a father, and I just remember trying to force myself to do that, force myself, make myself. Until I looked to Jesus and I said, I have no idea what to do, but I feel like the father is going to abandon me the way my father has. And I remember loosing forgiveness on my father. Still, I've never met this man, but I remember forgiving him and, and confessing that to the Lord and saying, Jesus, if it's true that if I've seen you, you've seen him, will you show it to me? Will you show him To me, Will you prove it to me? When I was 21, I had the privilege, I'm not gonna tell this story all the way through, you can ask me later, but I had the privilege of meeting my father for the first time after 21 years. It was the wildest dynamic I had ever, ever experienced in my life. My grandmother, who I had met one time in the hospice, was dying, and then the Lord, I felt like the Lord told me to go and and connect with, uh, go meet her, so I met her. And then I got asked to play for her funeral My dad is the youngest of 10 siblings. I have like 40 cousins that didn't even know I existed. Other siblings that didn't even know I existed. I show up at this funeral, I sing a song, I meet my dad and everyone else for the first time and I just remember thinking, what a miracle this is. But it wasn't even just that we met, it was that my heart could get to a place to look this man in the face and say that you owe me nothing. You owe me nothing and I forgive you, and that was such a wild, wild ride for me, and it's so, it's so crucial to what makes our story so dynamic, because for the longest time, I always wanted to be a father, and I wanted to be a husband, even before I was a Christian, because my, in my mind, I'm thinking, surely people don't get married just to get divorced. Surely they get married because there's something in there that's worth, that has value. You know what I mean? But I never knew that that would become a really, really difficult thing the older I got. Um, but that is a massive part of, of my story and how that ties in to what Sasha is gonna share. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's really difficult to lead when you've never been led before. Um, and we'll share more of those dynamics a little bit later, but I'm going to pass it off to Sasha so I can stop my talk. That's so
0: good. Um, I come from a very, very different, practically opposite side of the spectrum. (laughs) I grew up in a Christian family, mom and dad both present. Um, there's three of us siblings. We're all super close. We grew up traveling all over the world and doing ministry together. I pretty much lived slash traveled to over 30 countries before I turned 18. Um, And a lot of my upbringing was really beautiful, Uh, just able to experience different cultures and seeing the world and seeing the needs of people all over the world. Didn't matter what country you were in, the brokenness is all the same and the need for Jesus is all the same. And so um, I had the great privilege of being able to be a part of those people's healing, um, really seeing them encounter Jesus for the very first time in a real way. Um, and all the while, I think even as I grew, grew up to be an adult, I realized that there was actually a lot of pain in my life that I really never allowed myself to acknowledge. Um, I never really allowed myself to even... Uh, Realized that that pain was there because we were so busy helping other people um, and I also just didn't really feel the permission I never really gave myself permission to realize that there were things and issues and problems in my life that I needed to bring to the light Um, I needed to share with people I needed to get my own freedom from Um, and just that process of feeling like this almost like unspoken pressure for perfection. Um, If you've ever, maybe you're in my shoes and you've grown up in ministry or you've grown up in church or your parents are pastors or whatever it may be, you've probably felt this before. Um, You've probably even had people say to you like things about like who you are. Um, And I think for me, part of that was just like I just never really felt the permission to mess up and fall on my face <laughs> because I felt like my family's name was so attached to my failures or even my successes in my life. Um, and that pressure is it's really crippling. Um, and so at the age of uh, 15, I went through pretty, something pretty significant in my life. Um, I was molested for the first time by a married man in our ministry. And it's not a popular topic. People don't really talk about it a lot in church or even outside of the church. Um, it really was. It was hard for me in the moment because I genuinely was very pure at heart. I genuinely wanted to believe the best in people. And because we were close, I just was like, would tell myself like it was my fault. Or I would tell myself like, oh, he's just being a big brother. Like just... Shrug it off, you know, just pretend like it didn't happen. I also just was afraid to bring that to anybody because I was like, "What are people going to think of me and my family and all of that?" And so I just really hid it for a long time. Um, didn't really say anything about it for years. Just kind of swept it under the rug, um, like. A lot of people do, and kind of just wore a smile on my face and loved people and did the right thing all along. as just aching and hurting on the inside, um, and those those things and my storyline led to a lot of anxiety and depression because I was so alone in it. Um, I was so afraid to let people in to my pain that I just kind of carried it on my own forever, and. Um, even some of the darkest parts of my life, where you know I would I would think about like wanting to end my life, and I never acted on those things. But I look back now, and I was like, Wow, that was the, that was totally the enemy trying to take me out because he knows that God has a purpose and a plan for me, and that I'm going to get freedom from these things. But right now, it was just all a process of feeling like I had to hide. Um, And honestly, it's just a really lonely way to live, Um, just trying to make it through without feeling like you can make mistakes. Um, Now I feel like making mistakes are really a part of life, Um, and you can't grow without making mistakes. Um, And so for me, the healing process began where I started letting trusted people into my life. I started opening up. I started being vulnerable. It was not easy at all. (laughs) Um, It was definitely a process. Um, And so I have a question for you guys. It's one that's probably not asked very often because I feel like a lot of times, I don't know, people don't want to pry in other people's business. They don't want to ask the hard questions. And maybe you don't have anybody in your life that will ask you, you know, hard questions. But this question is, are there things in your life that you feel guilt and shame about that nobody knows? Um, ask yourself, why am I hiding this?
1: Ask that again. That was, that was
0: cool. <laughs> he said, ask it again. <laughs> Are there things that I feel shame and guilt about that nobody knows about? And then ask yourself, why am I hiding those things? Um, maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been molested. Maybe you've had things done to you that are 100% totally wrong. Um, As a woman, I really had to work through those things. Uh, They definitely brought in hard things with my relationship with my dad as far as just trusting men in general um, became very hard. And that eventually will reflect on trusting God um. and so yeah if there's any areas in your life that you feel like you're hiding sin I promise you that when you bring them to um, a trusted person in your life for me honestly that process looked like bringing it to a woman counselor I talked through a lot of the things that I went through and that woman actually had no connection to my family, no connection to people that I know, and so it gave me like this freedom to be able to actually share the real things that happened. Um, and then later on, I went through more, you know, things where I was able to share with people that knew me, knew my family, and I really got a lot of that freedom um, to be able to feel like God was working in my life in that way. So. Um, I just want to share this verse, too. It's John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That means that where there is light, there cannot be darkness. And so when we bring our stuff into the light, God can move on that. Um, And over here during worship, I just really felt like the Lord was specifically sharing, like, He wants you to know tonight that nothing that you have done, are doing, or have ever been through is too hard for him to forgive, that he won't forgive it. Because I think that's a huge fear for people that, oh, if I bring this into the light, if I I talk about this thing, like, what are people going to think of me? You know, what are, where do I go from here? Like, is God going to love me the same? Um... And so for me, once I started walking this out, just my obsession with perfection, because I was so afraid to fail, um, I just started running towards trusting people um, and bringing that pain to the surface, and I got freedom. Like, I am not the same woman today by any means. God has totally done a crazy work in my life. He has totally set me free. I'm married, and I have a little girl. And these are things that I thought I might never, ever have because um, just that hope for my future uh, really got wounded. And I promise you that when you walk this out, when you take those steps of faith, that it might not happen all at once, but in the process, I promise you that it's worth it.
1: That's good. Yeah, Yeah, so I know both of those felt so deep. And we're all like, (laughs) oh my gosh. But here's what happens sometimes, I think specifically in the church, is we wanted to really crack into our stories because we are just, you know, I I feel like I represent one side of how people view things. Like, oh, you know, like, dude grew up without a dad and it was kind of rough in the home and came to Christ later in life and here we are. Sasha comes from, perfect family, mom and dad loved Jesus, grew them up around the faith, you know what I mean? Prayed for each other, did all of these things. But here's sometimes what we do, is you look at these, you, you look at our upbringings and our stories and you think there's no way that these people would ever work. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we put labels on things and we go, I've talked with friends who gone through really, really horrible things in their life. And even after coming to know the redemption And the salvation of Jesus, the healing that can come from him and him alone, they still feel like, I can't marry someone that's not gone through what I've gone through. I want to tell you tonight, that's a lie. That's a lie. Um, It was wild to be able to start pursuing Sasha because when we were in these communities, when we got engaged the first time, (laughs) (laughs) wow, (laughs) we got engaged the first time. We found ourselves going through a season of what just felt like so much torment. We asked the question earlier, has fear ever caused you to make decisions that you weren't prepared and ready to make? Felt like it almost manipulated you, put, put your arm behind your back. I remember when we were in this thing and we were trying to, you know, we were dating, everything felt seemingly normal, normal fights, normal arguments, all of this stuff, but we would always be encouraged to, break up or take time apart and things started getting really funky and jumbly. And then this is something that I was even sharing earlier with some of the leaders. I was like, when you get around, like when you're a Christian, sometimes you get around people who have been so jaded to bringing God into the thing, because I do believe that the moment people try to say God said, you know, it kind of puts things in like a really weird and awkward manipulative place. But I just remember thinking like, Well, then how do we invite God into, like doesn't he care about the biggest decision that I will make in my entire life next to following him? Does he not want me to talk to him? Does he not want me to pray about if I should marry Sasha or who I should marry? Dating started becoming so weird. Sasha grew up in the, let me give you a purity ring at 11, you know what I mean? And not even knowing what that means. Where people just tell you, no, 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 no. But then you grow up in this culture where you're like, then I have no idea what to do when it's time, unless you want to arrange this thing for me. And I'm not throwing any shade on that. I'm just saying, if it's true that God's going to give us opportunity to choose, but that God might also want to share and speak into this thing, how do we do that? You know, so then by the time me and Sasha got engaged for the first time. It was the end of a November month. About 30 days later, we break this thing off, and that's when that scripture, Sasha broke it off, by the way. I was not on board.
0: He was not I was happy. trying to drive
1: the ship. And, uh, and I said, where's the captain? I'm gonna drive it. And the Lord was like, nah. And, um, and what we had been facing at that time was building a relationship and a future off of so much fear. So we told you guys our stories. One of my biggest issues, right? And this came all the way back from when I dated that one girl and she broke up with me the next day I met Jesus. I, As much as I loved Sasha, I gotta stand up because this chair is something. As much as I loved Sasha, genuinely in my heart for real, there was still this thing in me that said, I have to succeed because it defines who you are. You have to succeed. Now, let me tell you what. I was not ready to be a leader at all. I was so caught up in my own insecurity. I did not know what love actually was. I was showcasing a lot of behavior that just was not honoring in any way. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not about trying to beg God to make you perfect so that you can be perfect, because that's impossible, we know that. But sometimes we try to do that. But I do believe that wholeness is something that can be attained. But it's not something that can be attained on your own. It requires Jesus Christ, his redemption, his power, his healing, what he can do. Now, when we got engaged, we were not there. That was my side of it, where Sasha was still a trophy to me. And I hate, I hate that that was my mindset, but Sasha was a trophy to me. Why? Because all those years of winning accolades, trying to find identity manifested itself over and over again in our relationship, and I began to apply pressure, 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 pressure. Maybe some of you in this room have been in a relationship. Guys, you're doing all this insecurity stuff, or even women, you might be in, and you've been and you've applying pressure and pressure and pressure because you just need it to work. And if it looks like it's not gonna work, then I'm gonna do everything in my power to see to it that it works. Why? Because I need it to succeed. Why? Because I need it to fulfill part of my identity. And that is not Sasha's job. That's not her job. This woman has never been sent by God to perfect me, to fulfill me, to make me happy, to do all it, to heal me. That's not her job. I think we can partner with one another. I think we can pray for one another. I think we can, there's a whole, there's a reason why love is all of these other things, because I promise you, you don't wanna be patient, you don't wanna be kind, you do wanna boast. You do want to set up a parade and march your way down when things start to get difficult. I believe that we can bear, believe, hope, endure all things with one another, but it is not this woman's job to heal my heart. I'm telling you right now. And that's what I was making her do.
0: The day that we broke up, I went to the Lord and I go, God, what do I do? Because this is really hard. And I knew when we got that the day he proposed to me that I wasn't ready. Um, I knew that there were things in my heart, but I did feel pressured to say yes, so I did. And I was like, we're just going to make this work. And yeah, and we got in a huge argument and I just went to the Lord and I was like, God, I need an answer, and a- an answer that I'm actually willing to obey you in. Has he ever gone to the Lord and you're like, God, tell me what to do. And then he tells you what to do. And you're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um... And so I went to the Lord and, and the Lord was like, Sash, like the foundation of your relationship is in fear. That's why it keeps falling apart. Um, and for me, I knew what that meant for me. For me, that meant there was so much hope that I had in my future and the direction of where my life was going to go that I was putting on Jordan's shoulders. Um, when we first met I had just started doing music, like he said. And so there was still a lot of insecurities there. There was a lot of just not believing in myself, um, believing in my own voice. I was on that journey of understanding that. Uh, And so part of our, you know, story is that God used music to bring us together. And it was a really beautiful thing. But over time, I started to put my confidence in... In Jordan, like he was going to carry me somewhere into my future and my hope and my dreams. And God was like, no, you can't do that. Because if you do that, when it all falls apart or if anything goes wrong, that's all on him. And I I need to be the hope for your future. I need to be the hope for your dreams. Those things need to be in me. Um, And so made the decision that day and End up moving to California for two years. Um, We were broken up during that time, and I had a lot of amazing community around me, and God did so much in my life in that time. Um, Amen. Tag. I moved (laughs) to
1: California not long after that, not to chase her, but felt like that was what was next for me. And um, long story short, uh, obviously we're here today because we got back together. Um, and we reconnected in in Los Angeles and, um, and it was a really beautiful season. And a lot of that was because we were able to decompress, get ourselves around really healthy community and begin to realize that the fight that we were fighting really was not against one another through this whole process. And, um, oftentimes when we share this. Um, A really big part of what I like to emphasize is that what's awesome about getting engaged twice, you know, if you've ever been engaged and broken it off, there's just like not a manual for what to do. When you get the ring put back in your hand, that's tough city. Um, And then (laughs) getting engaged again, I just remember me and Sasha were able to communicate with such clarity we were able to progress and move forward with such clarity and confidence but it wasn't again the best part of this story honestly and i can say this i love this woman i love our family i love what we've where we've been where we're going what the lord might have but genuinely the best part i think of this testimony and the story is not that we got back together it's that we were able to surrender and 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 yield and find wholeness and healing to the place that we could, if that makes sense. The fact that we were able to find ourselves in a place of realizing that in the midst of all the mess and the jumble, that God actually could heal our hearts, that Sasha did not have to be my trophy and my point of succession, that I could love her genuinely uh, because of Christ, that Sasha would know that she does have a hope for her future um, and that she can be free from, you know, past abuse and trauma and different things, but it wasn't gonna be found in me, that we were not gonna perfect one another. Now, I know all of that sounds so easy sometimes in the context of just, you know, I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you're 18, 19, 30, whatever, Like married, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. The reality is, is what we're talking about today is that there is no fear that's found in love. And so many of us have only known punishment and we've known condemnation. And when we mess up, all we see is a God in heaven who we think is is just ready to attack us and pounce on us and point his finger at you. I don't care if you come from a good home or a bad home or a this or a that or whatever. This is all level and even playing field when it comes to needing to know the love of Jesus. We all need that. I needed it. Sasha needed it. Our little daughter, Emilia, who's 14 months, is gonna need it no matter how much we pray, no matter how good we do, no matter the mistakes, all of this stuff. There's gonna come a point where she needs it. Back to our question Has fear ever caused us to make decisions that we were not prepared to make? Finding somebody will not fix your problems. I would like to tell you tonight, and I'm sure that they will share this many times, getting married does not fix a thing. It will rub you in every way and pull out the best and the hardest. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Now, I want to tell you that you can find healing tonight. You can find healing tonight. And some of you might not even know Jesus, or you might have been like me. Man, I've been coming for a minute. Man, I've said the prayer a million times. I've, I've done the stuff. But, man, you said something about surrender, and I don't really know if I know that. As hard as I try to be perfect... I mean, every husband and father wants to be the best they can be. But we start trying to step into perfection. And as hard as I could try to do that and showcase love, I can't. But there is someone who can. We all know who that is Jesus. Now, when he came, he showcased perfect love. He was on a mission to do many things, but one of those things was to reveal the Father knowing that the will of the Father would lead him to bearing a cross, but that then he demonstrated his love for us. It was his joy to go and die to make a way for us. And then power was demonstrated when he was buried and rose again from the dead, conquering hell, death, and the grave, making it possible For us to know healing on this side. Redemption, salvation. We know what sin does. It separates us. It creates chasms that that, that push us further and further and further away. Sasha said earlier, if there's anything that's in the darkness, tonight there is going to be an opportunity for you to be able to receive prayer. Tonight, there's gonna be an opportunity for you to be able to receive this gospel message if you've heard it a million times or if you haven't. We wanna sing a song for you. This song is called Stars. It's not a worship response song. They'll come and do that. But it is a song that means something really dear to us because if you listen to the lyrics or if you don't catch them tonight, you can go listen to it wherever you listen. But it's a song that we wrote with a dear friend um, with the hopes that in 50 years for the people who are single, married, whatever it is, that, that the choice to love and the grace to be able to do that is made available through Jesus. When me and Sasha write songs about romance, Underneath all of that is this hope that someone might hear it and hear something different within it. We play a lot of secular venues and a lot of places where people would never step into a paradigm. But they might find themselves somewhere else listening to these songs. And we always hope that the Lord will sow seeds. Tonight, the encouragement, even as we go into Uh, this song, and then after that into response, the encouragement is to know that there's no fear in love. And if you have been traumatized, if you have been tormented by fear, I want you to know that there's, there's power in Jesus to heal you, to set you free, to liberate your heart, not even just so that you can romantically love somebody else, but so that you can love the person you're sitting right next to.